up and get ahead with WKGN. One, three, four, oh. Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios in Knoxville, it's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Here are your hosts, John Reed and Bob Baskerville. Back in the booth, back on the airwaves, coming at you live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. It is the morning show. Happy February 1st to you. Good morning, wherever you may be listening, or whatever time of day you may be listening. I hope you're having a good day. John Reed, Bob Baskerville, Sam Beard. The crew is here, locked and ready to go. Bob, how are you? I'm good, um, although... Well, we're getting close to the move, right? The physical, Feels like it. Yeah. Because right now, right this minute, I feel like I'm in an interrogation room or something with the lighting here. It's uh, oh, yeah. We got Sam tucked away in the dark like he's going to hit us up with some really hard questions. And I've got, like, big bright lights on me. It's too early for that. But, I'm going to uh, talk like this to hide my voice. <laughs> yeah. Everything I say is <clears throat> top secret and I cannot reveal my identity. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so I'm nitpicking. It's like I just want to move. It's time to move. We're, we're close. Yes, we're close, Bob. Don't get antsy yet. We're we're close. Uh, I, I was surprised you wanted to sit in here with me for this long. So you made it a month, and now you're getting antsy, or not even a month, like three weeks, three and a half weeks, and one week was a snow week. It's true, and and you just said it. It's a new month, February. Um, so one month of winter is gone. Love it. A Good. month and a month and a week, right? Like December twenty first. There we go. We're yeah. We're, we're past a threshold where I think I see now in the news that the sun doesn't go down until after six o'clock. Now we made it to the six o'clock hour, which feels like a nice threshold. Yeah, and the next thing I know, you don't care, Jay. Um, Sam and I care. Just call me Jake. No, uh, I started to call Sam Jake. Which, oh, okay. Uh, Phew. No, that's, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, now is uh, pitchers and catchers report. Yeah. Less than two weeks. Let's go. That's just a sign. Not like I'm going to be paying that much attention to it, but it's a sign that it's it's your own personal groundhog. <clears throat> yeah, you can smell the grass getting cut in the air. You know. Yeah, spring's not far away. Got to keep believing. Thirteen days away from catchers and pitchers reporting, which sounds weird when you say it that way. It's always <laughs> pitchers and catchers. Uh, but also, like we're what fifteen days away from Tennessee baseball, I believe is first game. Sounds yeah. right. Yeah. Still waiting on my tickets, by the way university like if you want to send them out yeah people to send them to and things to do with them send, send them out so you're a season ticket guy for baseball I am, yeah I got, I got four season tickets behind first base last row up against the wall it's pretty good that's pretty good. good spot i have not been to a baseball game in the vitello era really really no no wow. i have not it's been a long time great time that's what i hear that's what i see I'll trade you uh, your two Kentucky basketball tickets for four <laughs> yeah. baseball games of your choice. You can pick. Oh, my choice. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were going to say, like, against, you know, no, Bur- no, Birmingham Southern or something <laughs> like that. Now, I have promised uh, a, a group of my, my LSU Friday four, and that's pro- maybe the best one. So, I mean, I guess you're of your choice except the best one. But Saturday will be fun, too, and Sunday against LSU, you know. So, yeah, great, great trade. I can't wait to watch Tennessee play Kentucky at home. Thanks, oh, Bob. Well, I'll be thinking about it. Yeah, but yeah, we we'll, we'll go to the game as a we'll go to the game as a show. Yeah. at some point this year, we'll get Bob out to the ballpark. That'd be cool. It'd be fun. But yeah, no, I'm excited for that. It does mean the weather is going to get a little bit warmer. Although it's not bad right now. This in the morning a little bit chilly, but afterwards it's just hoodie weather. I like wearing hoodies. Yeah, forecast looks good this week. Like dry and 50s, and yeah. I can I can work with that. We made it through the snow. That was miserable. That, that was the worst part of winter by far. And I'm not saying we're out of winter because it, it'll get cold again at some point late February, early March where we'll, we'll think we're almost out. And then winter's like, nope, hold on. we got one more go around here. Don't put all your warm clothes up just yet. I've got a friend that's saying there's, you know, in the extended forecast, I don't know if it's an almanac thing, that there's some other wave that's going to come in late February. It's like, I don't want to hear it. I don't it always happens. Know. Yeah. That almanac. How are they so good at predicting? I don't. I don't get it. Who don't makes understand. it? 
The farmer's almanac. But you're a which farmer? You're a farmer, right? Not or? like that. Yeah. I just fed some cows and then, <laughs> you know, helped castrate them if we wanted to turn them into steer. Like, I just did a couple things like that. I wasn't out, like, checking the crops and then the barometric pressure and how the things are going to shake out for years in the years in the advance. No, 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 not me. <laughs> Sam, you good on this Thursday morning? Yeah, I'm doing well, doing well. Woke up... Uh, Kind of forgot it was the start of a new month. I feel like January flew by. I think it always kind of does, though, a little bit. You got Every month feels like it flies by when you get to the end of it. You're like, wow, it's already so-and-so. Yeah. Every time. Never fails. Especially the older you get. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hell, it's already February of your last semester of college. Yeah. You started like a week ago. I know. And now there's only like two months remaining. Well, we go like kind of deep I guess into, three months. Into get, May. End yeah. of April, though, is the end, right? I mean, We go got... like mid-May. Oh, really? Because of that... At, winter mini term that we do now it's kind oh, of okay yeah, I, was gonna yeah. say, I feel like it was always like the first weekend of may was kind it of normally like, is okay we're back onto like a high school schedule now basically gotcha yeah i had my first legitimate really 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 good night of sleep last night how are we all doing on sleep at this point you know i went and got in bed semi-early but it was another one of those things where the earlier i went to sleep the the harder it was to get up like it was a thing where like 4 50 i woke up i checked my phone or actually it was like 4 15 I was like, okay, I feel good. And maybe I should have gotten up, but I didn't. I went back to sleep, and then I was struggling. Then, like, it was one of those moments of, like, 6'10", I, Jon Snow, gas, wake up. And I'm like, I got to get up. <laughs> got to start getting ready. So, like, uh, it was too good of a night of sleep. I worked better, I think, with fewer hours. Yeah, I had a, I had a tough night of sleep. I got uh, – my roommates and I were watching a Bernie Madoff movie, and I just got really into that the one. Bernie Madoff movie? <laughs> what, what is the Bernie Madoff movie? The Wizard of Lies. Okay. It was actually really good. Was that was that the one that Richard Dreyfus did? Um, I don't know. That played him. De Niro was in it. Yeah, no, De Niro a, played him. Then yeah. that's a different one. Yeah, it was okay. really good, honestly. Okay. Um, are you now motivated to go out and uh, commit some financial crimes? No. <laughs> yeah. Or are no. you properly uh, uh, scared off of it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's kind of what my roommates and I were talking about. We were just between scenes. We were like switching off to like. I mean, this guy's a scumbag for taking this much money, but it is impressive but, how much he took, you know? But it is impressive. <laughs> I think um, what helped me last night, unbeknownst to me until it happened, was I got in bed early. Life's already asleep. I usually turn the TV on and, like, yeah, I'm going to cruise into And that's the problem, you know? And then I keep watching stuff and flipping around. The remote was dead. The batteries nice. were dead. And I was like, God. So I, so I watched uh, YouTube TV on my phone for about 10 minutes, and I was like, oh, yeah, forget this, I'm going to bed. So that actually, that was probably a good thing. It, it, like I said, I slept really well. It's been a while. You know, I really disagree with the ideas, but you can't deny it was a great communicator. That's what Sam and his <laughs> his posse was doing last night watching Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff. Madoff. But I'm um, not a TV and bed guy, but with that being said, I do scroll my phone from time to time. However... The switch to the morning has limited that. I pretty much don't. I've started just leaving my phone low on battery and not, you know, not always charging it in the middle of the night. That way, it kind of helps me just not want to use it. Now, maybe there's, maybe this will all backfire one time. And my phone will go dead in the middle of the night, but I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna charge it. I'm gonna set it over here. I'm not gonna have it next to me in bed, and then you know it's gonna go off. I'll get up, and then I'll charge it here at the show. And it also helps keep me off of it on the show too. For the most part. So that's what I'm working with. I don't know if it's dumb, but with the way this, this new phone has the fast charger, it almost feels dumb leaving it plugged up overnight. It feels like it drains your battery. Because this thing charges in like 20 minutes these days. Yeah. Technology. I'd just be terrified not waking up. Like right. if, you're, if your I'm phone goes off in the morning. Oh, you, you're an alarm, alarm clock guy? Yeah, I'm a okay. human alarm clock. I, I don't oversleep. Why that wouldn't work for me is, uh, didn't you say you run a fan? Yeah. Okay, well, I used to... Um, but then the fan blades get dirty. I'm a little fastidious and anal, so, you know, I can't do that. So I use a white noise thing that sounds like it on my phone, but it burns your oh, battery. Yeah. So I have to leave it plugged in overnight. I've tried that in the past with sleep playlists or the white noise music. It doesn't really work for me. Like yeah. that, The fact it's on a phone, just I know the difference, I guess. I don't know. It's just yeah. I always wake up or give up about 30 minutes later and just turn it off. Like I have better sleep. Better luck trying to fall asleep to some podcasts that I sort of like but don't really like love. Enough to like keep me interested and then it kind of mentally drains me and then it just soothes me to sleep. That's kind of my move. So here's a question. Do you 
when you travel, do you bring a fan? No, with you? no. Because I have friends who do that. Although I did get that for Christmas, I did get a gift—a a traveling fan that you can pack. It was a very thoughtful gift. That you know, if if I go and I do need it, I, I can travel with it. Although I don't think I will. But I do struggle sometimes traveling, falling asleep. Yeah, these friends of mine. Of course, it's when they're traveling, like in a car, not on a plane. But they bring they bring a box fan. See, yeah, no, this one's like small and like packs up. Yeah. I haven't actually used it, but uh, yeah, apparently it's. Yeah, no, easy that'll to work. With. Yeah, I get it. I tried last night to go to the movies, and you know, I'm, I'm working on seeing the best pictures, and then a couple of the other ones that are really quality up for other things. And I, last night on the docket was going to be Godzilla, Godzilla minus one. I've heard great things about it. Have you heard about this at all, Sam? Have you? I've seen previews, yeah. but no. Yeah, but everyone that sees it says it's great. So I was like, okay. I had looked, you know, poor things and like past lives. There weren't like any nighttime showing. So, like, okay, I won't go see that. Godzilla was playing at 710, but it was the 4DX version. And as a Regal Cinema subscriber, you know, my movies are supposed to be free. So I go in and it's like, hey, an upcharge of $10. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Not paying an upcharge of $10. But then I was like, I do want to see the movie. So then I. I don't, maybe shouldn't admit to this, but I was going to just book another movie and then just go into that one and save my $10, which is kind of stealing from the... the, the either way, I, I pay for the snacks. It, it, it all comes out in the wash. But I'd never gone to a 4DX movie before. So, you know, I booked Jason Statham's Beekeeper 10 minutes later. I'm like, yeah, I'll swipe my ticket for Beekeeper. I'll go watch Godzilla. Have you ever been to a 4DX movie? I have not. Have you, Sam? I don't think so. Well, it was a damn roller coaster ride. And yeah, okay, the, that's what I thought. I, I knew the seats, like, it was supposed to be, like, immersive, but, like, I did not realize the seats were actually, like, roller coaster move around. <laughs> and, like, I, I sit down and, like, all of a sudden the Madam Web trailer starts and it starts, like, rumbling and shaking, like, blowing air at me. I'm like, nope, nope, not doing it. And I got up and left and I went to watch The Beekeeper. So I did nice. not rob you, Regal. I was going to, but I didn't. I was like, you know what? This is karma. Not going to rob you. Just going to go watch The Beekeeper because I already have my popcorn and my do. And it was okay. It was a knockoff John Wick. It was all right. That's like the, that's one of those experiences like they have at Disney. Where yeah, exactly they, what it was. Yeah. 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 I don't know how the hell anybody watches a movie that way, especially like a big action movie because like the previews of Madam Web when nothing was really happening. You know, that Marvel movie, it was shaking me too much. I can't imagine when Godzilla starts stomping his ass around town, like what it does, and just, he comes in and out of water, and like, I looked at the seat and it said, water on, which means it's going to spray me with water. I was like, no, I'm out. Do you I, get, like, scents and stuff? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so this is where, in Turkey Creek? Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. a nice theater, and, like, I get the appeal of it if you're a kid or something, but, like, I was like... What are these? That's a grown ass like man down there. There's a big old boy sitting in the front row. I was like, he's just gonna sit here and just be shook for two hours. How? There was two people on a date. And I was like, okay, you know, a little foreplay. I get it. Like, let's get a little. The chairs rumbling. All right, we'll let it happen. But me by myself, I was like, I'm out. I'm out. I got up and immediately left, and I went to watch the Beekeeper, which again, a knockoff John Wick. But that's kind of what Jason Statham. That's what you get with Jason Statham. You know what I mean? But no Godzilla for me. No Godzilla for me. I don't know how you weirdos do it. I really don't understand. Especially, like I said, it, it's, it was a $10 upcharge, which means that the ticket price normally is like $25. Why the hell are you paying $25 to go be shook around? Just go to Dollywood. Save a little money and go to Dollywood. What about, I wonder if any of those other 40X viewers saw you leave and they were like, rookie. You know, yeah, I, like, you I, know. Honestly, that crossed my mind. I, I did not go down the front and in front of people. I went up the back and like, I'm sure they saw me. Climbed, like, over, climbed over the wall. Look how soft this guy is. Yeah, yeah no, it was little. immediately as soon as like, I was late to her. So like they had already had some previews, but I definitely walked in and they were doing the, you know, some of the, um, hey, like, you know, make donations or, you know, they, sometimes they have like infomercials in between the previews, I guess. And. I thought maybe like the end of the previews, but luckily it wasn't. They had a couple that scared me. But the first one I saw, like literally 30 seconds into, I was like, nope, I'm out. I had to wait for the chair to quit shaking so I could get up. <laughs> but after that, I was like, nope, I'm out. I'm out. Well, I don't know how people do it. I really, truly don't. That doesn't sound fun, to be honest with you. I got to agree. I went on a ride like that at Universal and had a terrible time. Well, I mean, I like the, you know, it used to be Thunder Road. You probably never got to ride Thunder Road at Disney, right? Like, if you, or not Disney, but Dollywood. You, you've been to Dollywood ever? Yeah, but no. 
Like they had like the imagination DreamWorks or whatever, like the where you're flying like on the hot air balloon now. But it used okay. to be like Thunder Road. And it was about like, you know, basically moonshine and like you're chasing somebody or you're trying to run from the cops. I think you're the guys running from the cops actually. And like you're you know, like that was fun, shaking and you're going off the road and all that. Like that was fun as a kid. But yeah, like um I don't think I would like that anymore. Especially like the way it was shaking. Like it was aggressive. It was worse than a, a rod like that. Come out concussed. <laughs> it depends how bad. Depends what kind of work Godzilla's putting in, I guess. But like, there's supposed to be a bomb in that movie, and then yeah, Godzilla's stomping around, so it's gonna be shaking you all over the place. What would Oppenheimer look like in 40? I don't think I want to know. <laughs> they just shoot fire at you, like they just turn the lights on just right in your eyes, right when the bomb goes off. Spoiler alert. I can't imagine because again, it was a preview. Twenty seconds of a preview, and they're shooting mist at me. This is a morning show first. We're 17 minutes in, and I don't think we've said five seconds about anything related to sports. No, no. We'll get to that after the break. <laughs> it is the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Good morning. It's holding up right now on Alcoa Highway over here up by UT Medical Center coming across that Buckcarns Bridge on Alcoa Highway going northbound. It won't be long before it starts to really pick up on Rutledge Pike coming inbound towards the interstate. Looks good right now through East Knox County. Just watch for some radar on 40 westbound as you pass Strawberry Plains Pike. Cadenza European Auto Service. They are experts on BMWs and all European makes. Never pay dealership rates again. Google Cadenza European Auto Service. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just what i would like to push back a little bit bob we did mention that catchers and pitchers report in 13 true. days true that's yeah. that's a good catch yeah we did we did mention something with sports just for the record all right, well, what's the big local story? <clears throat> what, 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 what's mm. on your mind? What's the biggest story right now in Knoxville? Hmm, what would that be? That'd be uh, University of Tennessee versus the NCAA, I would think. It's uh, day two of that thing, and there's so much information flying around. We're actually we're going to have Rick Butler on a little bit later from Rocky Top Insider to talk about it because he's been um, – he wrote an article on the site about it, and he's covering it. Um there's a lot of you know questions about now how quickly will the NCAA move because they're they're now responding to Don Day's letter. Yesterday was a day where I feel uh, Don Day hasn't cooled off. I would say uh, from the day she wrote you know the letter, she's still uh, she she put it in really simple terms of. I'm quoting her here. Well, think about it this way. If someone charges you or your family or your children with something that you didn't do and you think is unfair, you're going to speak up. And that's how I feel. It's There's no question in my mind about what to do. And I made that clear in the letter. Um, again, makes me happy we've got someone in that in that role that's taking that position. Because <clears throat> what we're seeing and hearing We've, we touched on it yesterday uh, with Jason Belzer, and we talked amongst ourselves about it, that there's the Florida State investigation to point to that's already been, it sounds like, resolved. Uh, the Florida University of Florida investigation's underway, Tennessee's underway, and there's a lot of talk that this is just the beginning, that the NCAA has really decided they're, they're going to get their hands dirty now and, and roll up their sleeves and start getting involved in this. Um, I Again, from my perspective, a lot of people's perspective, too little, too late. This should have should have been happening quite a while back if this is was going to be their intention. Um, and so, I think what hasn't changed either in a day is there are a lot of people watching how Tennessee is going to handle this, how the NCAA is going to handle this. We are uh, we're in the spotlight for sure. Added wrinkle whenever you consider the Jeremy Pruitt investigation and the the way Tennessee you know collaborated with that and helped you know self-report and do all those things but the NCAA also you know was on campus not too long ago so Tennessee is viewed as a repeat offender yeah but it also makes it more important that Tennessee does fight this it does make it more of a necessity that Tennessee does have to have a strong take and come out here and say we did nothing wrong. 
because you don't want to admit any wrongdoing. You don't want to give anything. You don't want to give an inch whenever they're pushing back because you are, quote-unquote, on probation. So, like, Tennessee is going to be strong and say we did nothing wrong. Tennessee is going to fight. And you talk about Plowman doubling down. You know, she had to know. She had to see the feedback. She talked to students at the game on Tuesday. She probably got a lot of, like, wow, Don, to love you. Yeah. You're the best. So come out and just do it again. Hey, I'm going to keep fighting, and I'm going to keep people on my side. And, like, you saw the politicians and some of the lawmakers of Tennessee rally behind Tennessee fighting for, quote, unquote, what is right. And it's an easy political victory, I think. Yeah. To be a lawmaker and be like, yes, we fully support Tennessee, you know, the biggest institution that is, you know, a very important part of the second most popular sport in America. Because college football is the second most popular sport in America. It's an easy win politically to be like, yes, we stand with Tennessee. Agreed. I think that uh, the whole united front piece was... When I saw it yesterday, it is. It's logical, first of all, but it it also gave me as a fan comfort, you know, that there is definite um, there's definite alignment with all these folks. You know, it started with uh, Attorney General Scarmetti, um, and and then obviously Governor Lee, Marsha Blackburn, all these folks. I mean, and you're right, John. You know, make no mistake about it. You know, there's the particularly if there's an election cycle in front of us, that's always important too. Right. So it's, it's, it is an election. Yeah. yeah so it's definitely, um, it's definitely, uh, there's, there's a script to some point, but better that it, we see unification than not. And I, and I think this one's a no brainer based on everything we're seeing, but I, it is going to be interesting to see how the NCAA, what their next steps will be because they have made a response, which was quick for them. That's a little bit out of character, but it was kind of a boilerplate response, kind of one you would expect. Um, and the question is, is if this does go to some sort of court or um, some sort of litigation, how long will that take for that to really, A, happen, and then B, how long will it drag on? Uh, you know, it, it's going to be a while if it gets to that. Hopefully it won't. I like to think there's a politician somewhere in Alabama that's like, we're going to fight with the NCAA. We're going to give our resources <laughs> to them. Stand with us. And, you know, that that's that politician trying to have his uh, nice little boost in the polls. I do. I do wonder, um, not necessarily politicians, but at what point or if some other certainly conference schools or NCAA power schools start to weigh in on this and say, yeah, man, we're, we're, we're behind Tennessee. I, I'd be interested to see. I mean, some of them may be rivals and may love to see Tennessee maybe get in some trouble. At the same time, this is a big picture topic for sure. And if you're trying to look at an end game from the university side, and it may be how do you continue to debilitate the NCAA, that would be the way, you know. I would say it would probably be more so the conference getting behind Tennessee as a you know as an actual entity versus like the individual schools and the yeah. conference getting behind it. It would be you know the commissioner comes out and says, "Hey, Tennessee has our support." Blah blah blah. Like I think it'd be more like a, "Hey, the SEC is behind, and if you are going to continue to unfairly target our institutions, we will just go and do our own thing. We don't really need you." ESPN wants to see Nico play. ESPN is still going to give us our money to put on, again, the second biggest sport in America. We don't really need the NCAA there. We're, we're good. And by the way, for some certain journalists, the name is Nico, right? Got to say, I, I, there was one person that actually listened to the Pat Forty thing, and it's a bad look isolated, but... Someone told me, Bob, that apparently they were trying to do a bit. <laughs> that apparently that they were trying to do a bit, and we're talking about Pat Forty and who else was it? Dan Wetzel and a, a couple others. Ross Dellinger, who who mocked Nico's name, called him Rico, which there was a little bit of a reference of like all oh, those charges, like Rico, Rico charges. charges. That's, that was my take on that. Yeah. But then they went to Chico. They went to Chico, 
they went to, you know, butchering his last name. But apparently they're saying they were doing a bit of, since the NCAA couldn't name Nico by name, they were they would use an alias. that. So they were saying, like, I guess Chico rhymes with Nico. Although, of course, when you see that isolated and you, you see the purpose, the purposely butchering the last name, it, it came out as, like I said, being a dumbass that's not funny at its best and, you know, kind of being racist at its worst. Well, I mean, and there's a reason that... I mean, those are all accomplished journalists, but right. doing a bit is not something I expect from them, honestly. So right. that, that, that's probably what leads to the response that they got. They might have been okay if they just stopped at Rico because you heard, like, yeah, the Rico charges, okay, yeah, yeah, the mob, I get it. I've seen The Sopranos. I've watched, uh, you know, Goodfellas. I get it. I understand. But then dumbass Pat Forty chimes in with, or more like Chico. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, his name is Nico Iamaliava. It's not even that hard of a last name, I don't think, once, once you, you get, get it down. To it. it used to be, yeah. Yeah. way back when. But once it, you get it, down, but, yeah. it's not that hard. And I I'll admit, I just went with Nico for yeah. a while, and it wasn't like I was butchering the last name on purpose. Like, you get into that sometimes with these these athletes from different countries where people try to purposely say their last name wrong to be disrespectful and to be offensive. Especially like with African basketball players and stuff that happens a lot with African soccer players where people will purposely mispronounce their last name. Or Big Zidi, like you call a certain... Little Zidi. Little Zidi, by the way. I checked the box score since you brought it up. I checked the box score. Uh, I saw that your boy Little Zidi, uh, you know, at Kentucky, the phenom, as Bob called him, uh, he's throwing behind the back passes, John. He's going to be a problem. He's really unlocked this Kentucky team. Blah, blah, blah. I'm Bob. And then I look, and his boy, little ZD, six minutes, one point. No field goal. So now he's on the uh, the Josiah Jordan James path, I guess, where three straight games, one field goal for your boy, little ZD, at Kentucky. He's just getting the hang of the game, the American game. Just give him some time. He's no assists either the last three games, so I guess the behind-the-back passes were a thing of the past as well. Well, well I guess. Um, was that in the game against Georgia? Well, that's the only game he's actually done anything yeah. against. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so if I'm Georgia now, I'm looking at it going, man, what the hell were we doing? This this guy <laughs> lit us up like this? he was Luka. It was the know? element of surprise, I guess. You know, there's a stat in the NFL that a quarterback making his first start usually covers you know, a good portion of the time. And then week two, week three probably doesn't work out so well. Kind of saw it with our boy Josh Dobbs coming in off the bench. Hey, run around, make some plays, catch him by surprise. Start a couple times. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, we kind of got gotcha. you. We kind of see what's happening here. Maybe that's what happened to your boy, little ZD. <laughs> One point for him, by the way. Man, have we drifted? Um, so <laughs> you brought it up. I did. You brought I, it up. I did. It's good radio, though, right? Little uh, ZD, six minutes, one point. So, no, he did not fix Kentucky. What a collapse by them, by the way. Yeah, up four with twenty five seconds left to find a way to lose. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're 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 definitely going to spend some time. Oh, and we have Greg Polinsky talking about Kentucky later. Of course, he's probably not going to talk about how they collapsed. But I think uh, I feel better. I feel better about Saturday now. I think everybody should. Do you feel better about it? You sounded yes. like in the group chat last night. You sounded like okay. Well, now they're actually going to be mad and reset too. So no, now it's no, even. no, no. I was no. What I was saying well, that's was the way I took it. Okay, so let me elaborate on that for a second. What I was saying is if Tennessee had won Wednesday night, Tuesday night, against South Carolina, and Kentucky had lost last night like they did, that Kentucky will be more bowed up. Tennessee will be a little more passive, potentially. I I actually thought Tennessee would be more of a target to lose in that kind of scenario, just because Kentucky, you know, off of a loss, et cetera. So now they're both off of losses. So now, no, I would say yesterday, before the Kentucky-Florida game, I was like, okay, man, this game, it's still very important either way, but it's like, I don't know how we're going to do against Kentucky. Well, now I've just seen what Kentucky did against Florida. I feel better. I feel better. Okay. See, I took it as like Tennessee would be riding high, and now they're reset, and they're going to be charged. And, you know, Kentucky might have been the fat cat, if you will, coming, you know, playing a, a wounded animal, but now they're going to be reset. So it was actually, a, you know, a net even for Tennessee, is the way I kind of took what you were saying. So that last night's Kentucky loss was was bad, but I see what you're saying now. Yeah, I might be trying, just trying to convince myself, but I, I really felt that way. The more I was seeing it, it's like I. I don't know. It, it's I do feel I feel we've seen it before, and we'll talk more about it. But Tennessee typically, not every single time, but typically bounces back pretty well after a loss. There's a phrase for that, right? Where you try to assign 
meaning to things that don't really have any. Is there a phrase for that? Is there a popular phrase for that? No. I thought Bob might know. Virtue signaling. <laughs> no, I don't no. think that would be it. Because I, I, now I learned what a Boilermaker response was. I had to Google that during uh, your whenever you were saying that. I'd yeah, never, I missed that one. I'd yeah, never I heard that. that. It's, it basically, I mean, it's a great phrase. I'm going to try to work it in myself. What, what are you talking about? I, you said point. it was a Boilermaker statement that, like, the, I don't oh. know, maybe when the politicians oh, were Oh, Boilerplate. Boilerplate, yeah. Sorry, not Boilermaker. Boilerplate. Sorry. Got boilerplate it. statement. Yes. A Boilermaker statement is like, ah, oh, let us shoot free throws. We got fouled again. Let us <laughs> I shoot, knew it. Let I us knew shoot 46 coming. free throws. Sorry, that's a Boilermaker statement. Yes. Owie, we got fouled. No, a Boilerplate statement. Yeah, Sam, it's just whenever you basically... Uh, say something that doesn't really mean anything. And it's just like a space filler, if you will. But, like, you know, like, they, they, the example it uses, like, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with those that are. Yeah, you always you have it in your back pocket. You just okay. grab it when you need it. Back in the booth, back on the airways. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. We're going to break. Something like that. It's time to remix the classic. And how do I know? What What's the deal? Do you a big Whitney Houston fan, John? Is that what's going on here? Um, I mean, I'm, I was a fan. I mean, I got a variety of bumpers in there. I don't even think that one's mine, actually. I think that one might be one that you've gotten from somebody yeah, else. Yeah, we had so. this from the Blitz. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, okay. that's, that's a Charlie and Sam thing. So Okay, so maybe the question's to Sam. You're a Whitney Houston fan? Um, a little how bit. Can you not be? Yeah, well, I'm not saying it's a problem. Yeah, yeah. How can you not be, Bob? I mean, come on. I don't think I find myself like going into my car and being like, I got to go play some Whitney Houston, but if it comes on, you know. Still, like it. to this day, and it precedes you even being alive, Sam, but one of the greatest performances of the national anthem ever. It was the, whatever it was, 91, 92 Super Bowl. Yeah, I was going to say 92 Super Bowls. Because it was off the heels of, like, Persian Gulf War and yeah. other things. It was, I mean, it even for fans, you, would, you were seeing fans, like, tearing up. Like, it was... Uh, she was a talent for sure. But it's interesting you said though, because I, I also never go and <laughs> listen to Whitney Houston. Like I've never, I don't think ever, like purposely pulled up her on Spotify and like went through more than like one or two songs. For she has someone, some really good ones though. Yeah, no, I mean she's got you know the most. I mean, I think maybe the most hits of all time for a woman when it comes to like charts, and maybe that maybe that's changed, maybe that's different, but like she's. One of the most decorated women of all time, but I listen to Adele. I listen. I seek out Mariah every now and then. Some Taylor Swift. It's not like I'm anti-woman, but Whitney doesn't get that treatment from me. L King. L King. Uh, no, no. L King's canceled after she disrespected Dolly. L King is canceled. Now Whitney is. Uh, Whitney was the complete package too. I mean, back in the day, I mean, because she looked like a almost like a supermodel and. Super talent, and also had some edge to her. Yes, she did. Also had some edge to her. If, if you like a little scandal, you got a little edge too. Absolutely. She does not do crack, Sam. <laughs> That's a poor people drug. She says. <laughs> wow, that was her quote. Rest in peace. Yes, R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> to Whitney. But we kind of hinted at college basketball. It was a, a another night where you had a top team go down in Kentucky. You had Purdue on the ropes. It looked like you were going to have absolute chaos. You didn't get absolute chaos, but you did have – that was also like Connecticut was down early to Providence yeah, at home. Yeah. They ended up winning by nine. But uh, another night in college basketball where you had some top team struggle. It's a great build-up to uh, a weekend that is going to be – they're now calling it historic. Uh, we've got eight of the top ten teams in the country, ranking-wise, going head-to-head this weekend. It's going to be a good weekend in that regard. But, yeah, it's just another that, – that Kentucky-Florida game was just another sign of uh, welcome to the world, the flat world of college basketball right now. It's, it's crazy. Um, you just don't know what to expect. I'm – if Northwestern had beaten Purdue last night, that would have been the third time in the last four games that they had beaten Purdue. Um, you know, most of the time Northwestern's been unranked, so that's the parity is pretty amazing. Did you take that as a positive last night for college basketball's weekend coming up? Because to me, the fact you've had three of those teams lose before Saturday kind of hurts, in my opinion. 
Three of those teams lose. Elaborate. Three of the three of the big teams on Saturday, because you know it's going to be a historic Saturday. Oh, I see you what go. you're saying. Yeah, there's like four top ten teams playing on Saturday and Sunday, or four top ten matchups, excuse me, on Saturday and Sunday. But Tennessee, North Carolina, Kentucky losing take, gets a little bit of hit and, and knocks it down a little bit, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's true. You you know we keep calling them top as I specified. You know, currently ranked top ten teams. If this was happening next week, where would some of those teams be Kentucky wouldn't be in the top 10 probably well maybe they would if they beat Tennessee on Saturday but yeah maybe that is a little bit of a hit but I I think they're all that's the other thing they're most all brand names you know they're big names so doesn't doesn't detract too much in my opinion Sam does it detract for you does it take the wind out of the sails a bit to have three of those teams lose because you know Duke didn't look good or hasn't looked good for most of the time but Carolina loses and then, yeah, like, you know, Tennessee and Kentucky uh, you know, in, in their own matchup, both teams now coming off of a loss, which makes that game maybe more important in yeah. terms of, like, the SEC championship race and seeding and, and vibes if you're just looking for the good old vibe check. I kind of find it to be more entertaining almost. I okay. think that, like, when you've got teams that have lost earlier in the week and, you know, maybe it's to an opponent that was someone that you should have probably rolled over or something like that, I think it kind of adds to the pressure of the big rivalry game and, and makes both teams, you know, have. I mean, it's obviously an important game, but I think it's just that much more important to kind of get back on track and not lose back-to-back. Well, I hope that coward Jeff yeah. yesterday is listening was, is listening right now is, as he watched Coach Cal get his ass kicked last night and blow the game because you're talking about a vibe check. <laughs> Kentucky's vibes are off, and – you know, Tennessee lost to South Carolina, whatever. You come through and you're like, man, you know, still a couple issues. And, man, this team needs some players to step up. Or, wow, you know, help Dalton connect. Or same old Tennessee. Whatever you wanted to say. You go through a, the mentions after a Kentucky loss. It's a whole different feeling where they're like, Coach Cal's washed. He's an idiot. Time to fire him. He hasn't coached good in five years. He's just trying to roll the ball out. And then last night he actually made a tactical error that you could point to of, why would you not foul up three and give them a chance to tie the game? Where do you stand on fouling up three late in the game, Bob? I think it really depends on the team you're playing and, you know, if they've got someone who's a true three-point threat. I, I think it's it's game by game, but I, I agree with you. Last night I would have been fouling. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I necessarily would either. I, I'm just – that's it's easy to point to when you're up three and you don't foul and they hit a three to, well, yeah, to, to tie the game and go to overtime and beat you. Then you're going to say, oh, wow, you should have done that. I, I don't – I think in college it makes more sense to foul than in the NBA. I don't want my NBA team to foul up three because, A, continuation in the NBA is different. B, the timeout situation extending the game makes things different because you can – you know, the NBA is the only sport where you can that, – that, that, that space and time aren't directly linked. You can move space in the NBA without wasting any time by calling timeouts if you have them late in the game. College, you can't do that. So it's harder to, you know, hit two free throws, foul, extend the game, then come down and get a good look. NBA, you can – you know, if you have timeouts, you can do that. You can get a good shot off with one second if you call a timeout. You get it at half court. You throw it in, turn around, shoot. College, you can't do that. So I'm mean, more – of a fan of fouling in college, although the players being a little bit dumber, for lack of a better term, more inexperienced, more willing to make mistakes, makes me a little nervous in college just because they might grab a guy intentionally or they might foul him when he gets in a shooting motion. They might be a little bit more willing to do that. Now, I would say if you talk to Kentucky fans, I know a few of them. I didn't talk to them after this game because I knew they would be angry, but um, – that's nice of you. Yeah. You're being sweet. Well, I wanted to go to bed, too. But uh, also, I think that <laughs> – being sweet. I think that their complaint would be, A, they they would have said, yes, we should have fouled. And some of that is largely in part to their kind of triggered reaction to Cal as a coach, that he doesn't – he won't – he doesn't necessarily think the way that the fans do. And um, and that – that almost might be too much thought put into the end of game play with Cal. There's a lot of theories, and I don't buy it, but there's a lot of theories from Kentucky fans that Cal just kind of rolls the balls out in general and doesn't, you know, just yells and tells everybody to run and go and 
everything else and then that he wouldn't be capable of making a making a call like that late in the game which I'm again I don't necessarily agree with but I'm telling you from a Kentucky fan standpoint they they would have last night said you why are you not fouling no yeah like like I said the vibes with Kentucky are bad yeah when it comes to that program when it comes to coach Cal and it's a large part in large part because of what you just said like they don't trust Cal to be able to make adjustments or to coach the team up like I think they all acknowledge he's still a great recruiter but I think they also acknowledge that, like, the the era of what and done in college basketball is kind of over. Like, you, the transfer portal kind of ended that, as right. far as I'm concerned. And, you know, maybe you could say Coach K ended that by becoming a better one and done coach than Coach Cal was. You know, that's kind of the, the rise and fall of Calipari was all of a sudden Duke and other schools being like, yeah, we'll do the five-star freshman, too, and let them leave after one year. Musselman had a little one and done stuff happening for a minute. Sure. Yeah. And Arkansas. Yeah. Which uh, maybe, you know, that – Maybe that plays into the part of the reason they haven't been very good this year is they haven't been able to sustain that. You know, it it is hard if you're Arkansas to be like, yeah, we're going to do all the transfer portal guys, which he yeah. had success doing for a while. And this year it seems that they kind of came up empty with their with their transfers. I Although you're... I guess they did get a nice win last night, right? Did they end up holding off? They the did. Yeah, they won. yeah, I was going to say, I saw they were up 18, and that was the last I paid attention. A couple schools got right in conference, uh, Auburn. Took care of Vanderbilt. I mean, it was Vanderbilt, so and it was at Auburn, so you expect that to happen. But Auburn rolled. So Vandy didn't take a timeout in that entire game yesterday, and they lost by thirty. Is that Stackhouse trying to send a message? I don't know to his team or Stackhouse trying to send a message to the administration? Like, hey, I'm done. I'm yeah, I was gonna say, I'm tired, boss. Get me out of this. Ta- out of this ta- game me as out. Soon as I, can. I was gonna say one way to look at it is no timeouts means your season is moving quicker. <laughs> yes. Um, you at least got to use the one in the first half. It's a use or a lose it one. You at least got to use that one. Yeah. That is a wild. At least while the game's slipping away, like when it's getting to 10 to 15 points. Like, yeah, like, okay, let's take a timeout, guys. Let's reset. Or at least at the end of the game to get subs in, I guess. Like, you know, throwing the white towel at the 14-minute the mark. Okay, we're just going to empty the bench. I, I don't know. I don't know. But it looks like Alabama was going to lose to Georgia. Yeah. Thanks for nothing, Mike White. Thanks for being Mike White and blowing a lead, which I guess he did do for us, too. He did blow a lead for us, too. But Alabama ends up kind of winning. I don't want to say going away, but I think it was, what, a nine-point game? It wasn't very close at the they end. They ended up covering after they went down, like, 20 to start the game. Is that true? Like that. I'm I thought, sure. I, I thought the spread was a little bit higher than that, but I might be wrong. No, yeah, you're right. It was six and a half, yeah. How do you feel about Georgia? We'll just take a minute on that. Because there's been – I always hear them included in chatter from analysts and stuff about – you know, NCAA tournament bubble team, it's like, man, I don't see it. Uh, I mean, I, I would think they'd have to make a super deep run in the SEC conference tournament, like get to the finals or something like that. I think that's just somebody that looked and saw they won like nine games in a row and then they were on the radar and yeah. they still haven't like adjusted and taken them off the radar. Uh, to me, that's what it is. Like, Georgia's not a tournament team. I mean, they score a lot of points sometimes, not so much last night, but it's still, they give up a lot of points too, so... And, you know, that's Kentucky's biggest problem is that they give up a bunch of points and they can't get stops. And, and you know, last night they were hurt by a missed free throw that did not put the game away. And then you have Florida, a guy, you know, there, Clayton, had seven threes, including the game-tying one with basically like four seconds left in the game. Walter Clayton Jr. hit one. And then, yeah, of course, you end up blowing that game in overtime. Bobs are low for Kentucky. Makes the game on Saturday mean more in that sense because somebody's coming out of that with a two-game losing streak. If you're Kentucky and you lose to Tennessee, you're coming out of that all of a sudden losing three of your last four. With two of those being at home. Because, of course, they lost to South Carolina last Tuesday. Beat Arkansas on Saturday. Lost to Florida last night. And then, yeah, if Tennessee comes in and can beat them, like I said, that's three of their last four. That would be bad for the the outlook of Calipari and that fan base, who, let's face it, probably willing to quit on him and willing to quit on the season with with as bad as they've been the last couple of years in terms of disappointment not living up to expectations. Also something to keep an eye on, 45 minutes last night for Reed Shepard. Wow. You got credit for playing 45 minutes. I don't know if you got a breather at all during the game. Like, if you know, if you got 30 seconds here or there, I don't know. That's every single minute. Yeah, it's every single minute. So I didn't know if, like, maybe he'd, Got 20 seconds of rest or something. They rounded up. I don't know if he ever came out at all. But 45 minutes of the possible 45 minutes, like Bob said. They were down, what, Dewan, or Dewan, DJ Wagner 
uh, wasn't playing. He's hurt. Mm-hmm. That I'm sure that didn't help. But they're they're relatively deep still. I, I'm amazed that he played that the, the entire game essentially. That's uh, boy, he's a legend though with Kentucky fans. They uh, they they love that kid. Love him. It's, you know the bloodlines and maybe some other factors, but. Um, but he is pretty good, though. He is good. I will say. And last night, I, I was watching that game, and towards the end of it, you know, Florida's trying to shoot a corner three, and he had a pretty nice closeout and blocked a shot. And I was like, okay, you know, a little bit of defense there for him, He's too. very well-rounded. Yeah. I was, yeah. was going to say, not electric as a player, though, right? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Not, no. not necessarily dynamic, but that doesn't mean he's a, not a bad – he's a great player. He really is. He's one of those players that, like, your coach loves, you know? Like, yeah. Maybe not every Gets fan can see the game early, it. Yeah, stays but, late at practice, mm-hmm. the coach on the court, you know, yes, whatever like cliches Always is trying hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hustler. But, I mean, if you just look at the minutes and a day shorter on rest, maybe it doesn't matter in college and they're not having to travel. Maybe, you know, Thursday, Friday is enough of a break and the two days is enough of a break. But 39 minutes for Dillingham, 45 minutes for Shepard, 37 minutes for – for Sam's boy Reeves, who is just as good as Dalton Connect, according to him, 19 points, three assists. I mean, it's a nice little game for him. If Dalton Connect had 19 points, I would be like, oh, my God, what's wrong with Dalton? But, I mean, I guess for Reeves, it's a solid game. Trey Mitchell, 38 minutes. Tennessee fans would be up in arms about all these minutes if this was happening at Tennessee. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because, like, it, it's not sustainable. And the season's just, you know, I don't want to say getting started, but, like, you're – you're still halfway, you know, you still have halfway to go in the SEC play. You have more than halfway to go. You still have, you know, six weeks of this, seven weeks of this where you have to be able to manage. That's before you even get to postseason play. And it's not like the deeper you get into the season when the games matter more that all of a sudden you're going to play more guys in your rotation, right? Usually it's the opposite. Usually right. you tighten up the rotation as the season goes along. These poor players are going to be grinded down to, to dust, because, I mean, Tennessee, we still we still do a solid job in terms of guys aren't playing every minute of the game, usually. I know I know last year Zakai had a couple games that he did that and flirted with that. But, like, they've done a little bit better of limiting Zakai's minutes, right? Like, when I look at the minutes breakdown against South Carolina, the most minutes anybody played was 34. Right. And that was connect. He did look tired, though. So, I mean, like, how many did he play, I guess, against, against Vandy? 34. 36, 32, 34. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, they are playing him a lot of minutes, but not 40, not 45. Also, what's it feels like, and, of course, it hits close to home for us with Tennessee just because of the way they've been shooting at the line, but it feels like there's a bit of an epidemic going on with free throw shooting Kentucky. It cost them last night, too. They shot – it was only 11 of 17, but, I mean, still, that's 66%. And – and and it's pretty consistent for them. They only have outside of a Antonio Reeves, who Sam's boy, Sam's favorite player. It's moved off of me and on to Sam. You <laughs> love Little Zidi. Little Zidi's your boy. Reeves is well, Sam's boy. Well, Little Zidi shoots fifty percent at the line. Well, so, he, he doesn't yeah. really get to get to the line yeah. too often because he, he doesn't really get to play. But Reeves shoots eighty-eight percent. But after that, it's like you know uh, Reed Shepard, eighty percent. You would expect him to shoot pretty well. But everybody else is in the. 70% or lower range, um, and it just feels like I'm seeing more and more of that, like they're not working on the free throws or something, and clearly in a lot of these games it's important. That's a throwback back to the old Calipari teams. That's the Calipari teams I remember, the ones that couldn't shoot free throws. Like that Memphis team was right. really bad at shooting free throws and it ended up costing them a national championship. And I feel like those early Kentucky teams he had weren't great at free throws either. Then they got good for a while. Now they're back to being bad. But the only free throw epidemic I want to talk about, Bob, is somehow how, how the hell does Purdue shoot 46 free throws to eight against Northwestern? How do you defend this? It's a, it's I, sickening. I, I don't defend it. I it, the, 46 free throws, Bob. To eight. Defend it. Um. Uh, it's really tough to defend. I, I would say, though, it, it's not unusual for teams with big players. Same way back in the day with LSU and Shaq and others where they they go to the line a lot. What I am stunned by was how little Northwestern went to the line. I mean, it was it was absolutely uneven by a long shot. I mean, I'm not, not saying that at all, but I, 
Purdue's got a big guy. He's tough to guard. Everybody calls him a foul merchant. I don't know what to say, man. He's seven four. He and he's and he's a relatively physical player underneath. I don't know what to say. Yeah, there was the one clip though where he's got his elbow wrapped I around agree. someone's oh, head, I and, and, and he no, gets I to go to the free that. throw line after that. So like that happened. That does happen a lot during their games, or at least it happens at least once or twice during the game. I mean, I guess Tennessee there was a couple where like he, I feel like he was initiating contact and he's creating fouls and he's getting rewarded for it and. You know, but like you said, he shot 17 free throws. When you do have a big man that draws a lot of fouls, it's going to allow the other players on the team to go to the free throw line too because it's going to put the team in the bonus. But, like, I, I was just blown away that the uh, the officials had no shame yeah. and didn't feel guilt at all and be like, you know what, uh, right now it's 30 free throws to, like, four. Do you think maybe we give a couple makeup calls? Do you think maybe we try to even this up a little bit? Because it does feel like college officiating does typically like to have – the fouls somewhat even out a little bit, you know, even if it's at the detriment of the game. If I'm Chris Collins, and I'm not a Chris Collins fan, but I would have been complaining to the refs a lot louder, a lot sooner than when he got ejected with one second left in the game. I mean, it, it, yeah, it was, it was disproportionate for sure. Which, you know, his team was in the game. I assume they're a tournament team. I assume they're a team that will be on the right side of the bubble. But, yeah. like, a win at Purdue is a season-making win. So I get not getting a technical foul in a close game and, like, complaining at that point and, you know, going crazy, going berserk, you know, before the game was out of hand because, like you said, he waited until, what, one second left? Yeah. And the game was over. So he got to make his point, and his fans can say, hey, you made your point. And there might be some, though. They're like, hey, do that earlier. Do it in the first half, and maybe right. the team can, can sustain. But also, like, you never want to create three or four free throws for, for your opponents. In a close game, when you're overmatched, you don't want to like be a, something that sparks a run and gets that gets that gym going crazy. If it's at home, yeah, because your fans can rally. But on the road, yeah, the coach getting a technical kind of is, is an invitation to their fans to kind of go crazy and overwhelm your your team. No, I, but it was going on all game, and they were down. Yeah. I think seven or eight at half. They came back to tie it, obviously. But he had moments, in my opinion, that were earlier in the game. I was just surprised to see he didn't do it. And you're right, Northwestern's projected currently, you know, subject to change as a seven seed in okay. the tournament. So, yeah, they're a good team. They're a very good team. At least you have shame, Bob. I, no, I, 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 I don't disagree with it. Okay. I don't. But I don't think that – I mean, again, he's a big guy. That's what's going to happen. Uh, I just was stunned that the other team didn't get calls their way too. I'm just convinced that – you'll get to the postseason and they'll call it differently. And like that'll be Purdue's demise. It's like you're used to having those fouls and all of a sudden like the officiating feels like it's switched from the way it's been all year. I think you kind of see that in, in the NBA, like with playoff officiating. I do think in the tournament you, you might be susceptible to that as a Purdue basketball team. Like that, that Edie might not get those calls. They might give him a couple cheap calls on the other side. They might actually finally call an offensive foul. And like thirty something games of a sample size is thrown out in a one and done situation. Next thing you know, you're scrambling. You could be right. Yeah. Hour one of the books. We'll kick off hour two of some things you might have missed from the night before. Stick with us. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio.